Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Power Your Life. It's a pleasure to be here. And today, I would love to have you recognize that there are times and spaces within your everyday lives that you can look at in a very new, fresh way and utilize them and find some real profound meaning. Now, I'm not the answer to this, but I have an incredible special guest here, and her name is Sandy Hart, and she's going to talk about that in the most beautiful way. Sandy Hart is an award-winning leader in the fields of women's empowerment and interfaith community building. She founded the Women's Interfaith International Grassroots Organization called SARA, which is the Spiritual and Religious Alliance for Hope. On the morning of 9-11, Sandy had the instinct to gather women of diverse faiths to protect all that they considered sacred, and Sarah is now in its 20th year. Sandy also founded and served as director of Charter for Compassion's Women and Girls Sector, served as chair for the United Religions Initiative for North America, and serves on the Women's Task Force for the Parliament of World Religions. She's currently being inducted into the Women's Oral History Library of Claremont College, and her book, The Liminal Odyssey, The Alchemical Power of the Spaces in Between, explores the transformative power of the space between crisis and action with synchronicities and possibilities for your creativity. Welcome, Sandy Hart. How are you? Oh, I'm delighted to be here, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me. It's actually my pleasure, and congratulations for everything that you're doing and done. You're amazing. (laughs) Well, well, uh, congratulations is a hard, you know, compliment to receive because I've just been having a great time (laughs) following my bliss. Um, and saying yes and listening in, and here we are. So I thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I receive it. (laughs) You're welcome. Well, you know, following your bliss, which is a beautiful thing, can bring you more joy and also connect people with their joy and with so many other things. But let's, let's share with our listeners a little bit about this incredible book, the Liminal Odyssey, and tell us about its beginning, how it came about. Wow. Well, how it how it came about was was actually the my, me attempting to write this one story for the last fifteen years. My friends have been urging me to tell this one story that happened to me 
1982 at the Rose Bowl in Southern California amongst 100,000 people where I inadvertently started a wave, um, a, a wave that has been rippling in my life ever since, um, even though I didn't realize it until I was a little bit more of an adult. And one day I told this story in a small group of people, and since then, um, like I said, I've been urged to tell this story, but I just didn't think I had enough of a story to write a book, let alone know how to write a book. But I tried, and I kept putting it down because I had a paragraph, and that's as far as I could go. And then a few years ago, I heard this word liminal. And, I, you know, it took me a while to learn how to say it because it's a very clunky word to roll off your lips. Um, and, and then to understand its meaning was threshold. And threshold, you know, is, like you said, the, the space between crisis and action, but it's also um, a, um, a, a place between um, um, the limit choice um, 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 or this evolutionary growth spurt we're in right now. Um, it could be a momentary threshold. It could be, um, it could be almost an entire civilization <laughs> spread of, of a threshold, that space in between where we have choice. Um, and so it's not so much the space. It's what we do in that space. And, and the agency that we have in that space. And so I started thinking about that when I was thinking about my story again. I sat down again to write it, and before I knew it, I'm writing about what was really going on inside of me and really what was this about on a deeper, more cellular level as well as a grander, more universal level. And I had an entire chapter <laughs> before I knew it. Uh, different skills that were necessary for me to realize that started to emerge. And 11 more stories poured out of me that I had discounted as otherwise mundane or, yeah, maybe I'll write about those one day um, in, in that same spirit. All kind of poured out in this timeline uh, that was all threaded together by gossamer threads of what I recognized in that liminal space. And so that's how, that's really how the book, um, how, what the inspiration um, of that book was and where it took me. And it continues to take me to this very moment. So I'm not done being on my liminal odyssey by any means, but it really did, really did become an odyssey, not a journey, but a grand odyssey. And I can't wait to see what's next. You know, I think that's that's so wonderful that you're still exploring those spaces and it opens the room for other people, Sandy, to do that. How do people actually look and examine those spaces that, that so that, that they too can develop meaning from those times or those spaces or what they may consider like you did something non not consequential and yet when you start to focus on it some incredible stuff emerges mm, yes um so in the liminal odyssey there's actually 12 practices i think i refer to them as skills but they really are 
they really are practices, turn skills. And these practices begin with slowing down to the speed of awe and wonder about what's going on. And so that requires us to first acknowledge something that may otherwise seem mundane in our daily lives. It's really that easy. Just take some time and pause in the spaces in between everything and and ask yourself, why am I so upset about this? Or why is this happening to me? And yes, of course, it's happening for me. Or, or, um, or what does that mean? Just simply asking that question, living in a place of curiosity and awe and wonder is um, the first real entry place over and into that threshold. And for me, that requires reverent listening. That's the first of the, of the 12 or 11 and a half skills. I call them 11 and a half because they all make up a super skill at the end. But the, the first one I address is reverent listening through the sacred art of listening. And that, that's not just listening to another um, which is a really, I think, personally, a very important skill that we can all do better at, including myself. Um, even after all this work, I still catch myself not being a very good listener to my my husband or my children or what's going on. Um, it, it is a practice, but um, really how to listen into our soul. What is our soul telling us or what is our body telling us? Um, that really is a, a, a skill to cultivate and, and a muscle to build. And once you build it, it becomes kind of part of your neural pathway. It becomes a habit. So, uh, and it's I think, right. And yeah. it's so wonderful when we we can connect with that. Listen to our inner guidance, to our soul, to to our heart, to all of that. I mean, you can get wonderful information and just. I love it. That's I love being in that space and that place. That's really important. So, a little bit for for our listeners, lives our lives are busy. Okay, people are going, you know, looking at the clock, going from one thing to another, and yet, how do they pause? How do we get them or you to look at those moments and really find the depth and the essence of of what's in them. Mm. I think it's a very mechanical practice, and it, and it's and it's um, and I'm one of those busy people, and I was duped into believing that I didn't have a minute in my day to take an exhale or an inhale, <laughs> or, or 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 go get a glass of water. Oh no, I got to do this. You know, I was really I duped myself into believing that I was that busy until I. Um, it, it, I, I was advised to do one-minute check-ins. And those one-minute check-ins are where you either set um, your timer, you leave yourself a stick-a-note. I used to put mine in the refrigerator because I went into the refrigerator way too often during the course of my day, but I always knew it was a place I was going all the time. Then I realized, oh, we go to the bathroom five times a day on an average. So I I created a habit of every time I go into the restroom, I listen in, I check in. It only takes one minute. Just slow down and listen. And listen to your body, easiest thing to do. It's not so easy to, uh, let's 
take some time and tap into our ascended master. Let's take some time to tap into what our, you know, what what spirit is guiding us or what's the meaning of the universes, which I've heard all of these modalities and methodologies. For me personally, my body is right here, right? It's easy for me to tap into and go, okay, how's, how, what's going on in my chest? What's going on in my body right now? It's amazing to ask yourself, am I comfortable the way I'm sitting? <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times in the day I catch myself being uncomfortable, and I have full control over how comfortable I am when I'm sitting. So that is a very simple, and isn't that silly? That is a very simple practice. But what happens is we start creating new neural pathways. In modern sciences, of course, over the last 20, 30 years, has um, discovered that our thoughts create patterns, and our patterns are uh, become part of our operating system. So let's create the the habit of stopping, you know, several times a day to to um, listen in, and then it just again becomes part of your your operating system. It'll kick in when you don't even know that you're not paying attention. And this is something you need to pay attention to. You know, I love that. I actually, when I'm working with some clients, I have them talk to their bodies and ask their bodies, like, what they need and get some really important information. Like, you need, I need rest. (laughs) I need you to stop, you know, whatever it is. And it's so important, like you said, Sandy, to really pay attention and to listen in because our bodies are have a lot of guidance for us, a lot of information. And so does that inner voice, that inner guidance that's beautiful. So you talked about these 12 skills. Can you give our listeners a little bit more about some of the skills that are really important for them to take away today and to really, I mean, I want them to buy your book, yes, but give them a little bit guidance about a few other skills. Well, now you're asking me to pick my favorite child, <laughs> and um, they're, I, I don't mind even mentioning them all because I think they're all really, really powerful, and they're diverse and may surprise you that they all work together. Keep in mind that these are all building blocks for the other. So when they're practiced collectively, then then the, it, it, it just it mediates the process um, of starting to notice more things. And I'll point that out in just a second, how you actually notice it's working. It's really fun. It really is. I mean, this whole process, really, we, people, we have to be in our bliss, right? That just raises the vibration of, 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 um, of our experience on this planet. And by the way, when you raise your vibration, it raises my vibration. So please practice bliss um okay here we go so the sacred art of listening i've already spoken about timefulness is a word that i coined and it, it it's really about the potent space of time that we really become more intimately aware of time which is a a man made construct right so becoming intimate with timefulness also speaks to the difference between chronos time, that man-made construct, um, and that we all live in and we have to, and that's fine. But kairos time, 
is something really powerful to pay attention to, and that's God's time, Spirit's time. Aristotle said it's the time in which the truth will be revealed. Um, practicing forgiveness. Yikes. I know that's a hard one. That's a big one. To, and I, that's all I'm going to say about that. But um, I think forgiveness has gotten, and fear and that pain has gotten really a bad rap. And I point that out in the book. Um, you mentioned, and I love what you do with your with your clients. Listen to your body. Ask your body what it wants. I do the same with women specifically, and and so let's let's listen into what our womb has to say. Our most powerful ecosystem. So becoming aware of our body and remembering we are nature. Um, the sacred art of cultivating synchronicities. All of this will culminate, and there is, therein lies evidence <laughs> that you're really listening because you're starting to notice cultiva- uh, uh, synchronicities, which, yes, we do cultivate. Um, we, do, we, can, we can manufacture them, as you will, if I can use that topical term. Meeting your maiden mother and crone is really about identifying your archetypal identity it's it's a nice way of putting a face on kind of your personality if you will and the power in understanding that um the power of words oh my stars and words are um informed by our thoughts and understanding our thoughts um which are really powerful but being impeccable um is critically important in this process of the liminal odyssey critically important and and there are some simple practices there too to even catch when you're not being impeccable, um, and with, with you know without malice of course, but we're really discounting our soul, our body, everything when we're not being impeccable even with our words. Um, one of my favorite books on the planet is The Trust Frequency, written by some very dear friends of mine, Connie Baxter Marlowe and Andrew Cameron Bailey. And Connie was my trust frequency editor on this book. So the vibration is there in the book. Um, and really understanding the power of trust. Um, looking at intergenerational trauma is um, and, and behavior patterns. This is where the rubber really hits the road in doing our work um, because it, it takes us to really kind of seeing patterns that we may not have otherwise seen where they came from. And that's where the healing is. Um, and then ultimately, all of this results in us living into our planetary assignment and, and really what that's about. And so there's 11 of the practices, skills, ultimately create, like I said, a, a, a super skill, a power skill collectively, which I am theorizing <laughs> As a uh, liminal, as liminal coherence, and and that's that's really what to expect here. And all of it is informed through science, indigenous knowledge, um, thought leaders, visionaries. I didn't think this stuff up. It's just articulated in a way that's relatable and collectively creates this super skill. And you know, it's so important to be able to really embrace those spaces and and work with them in, in such a beautiful way that we get answers and and everybody needs to follow their bliss right despite what's going on so a lot of people especially now 
are fearful or hesitant or not sure of their next steps and how does that intertwine a little bit with with just what you've been working on and with their own liminal odyssey and exploration well great question and first i want to say that i'm 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 practicing this stuff i'm living it i'm one of those folks right so um i know i've been there (laughs) and also what change for me what was a paradigm major shift for me was realizing not only do I have to follow my bliss or I need to follow my bliss but I get to follow my bliss it's my birthright made that subtle shift in my understanding of this it totally transformed um, my access to that agency I have and so that was the first that's the first thing I would say is remember we have the privilege and I'm going to add the responsibility because nobody lives on this planet alone um, you know you, um, we we all have a responsibility I think to show up on this planet with our divine in, in our divine assignment so really you know for me struggling to, to understand what that is um, divine assignment is right and what to do or or what am what am I doing that isn't working was to really go through this process really um, work through um, the fear and I'm so glad you brought this up because earlier I kind of alluded to this I think fear gets a bad rap I don't I think we know it's science (laughs) that Fear is there to protect us, right? It's part of our survival mechanism. We need to be afraid of a threat. Yet, generally, we have really misunderstood fear um, to be something not even to look at. Fear is there for us, for our survival, to be better. Um, that's, That's what Darwin referred to when he was talking about survival of the fittest he he might have written once that you know survival of the fittest but what he really was alluding to through all of his journals and all of his writings was survival of the most compassionate and adaptable and compassion is actually the ability to see the suffering and a willingness to do something about it so fear is there for us to address and look it square in the eye and dismantle it pull it apart and go okay why is this what what is the fear in me moving in this direction um, or addressing this and and start working through that Um, I'm right now publishing literally as we speak uh, it's at the printers um, your liminal odyssey it's a guidebook for alchemizing the spaces in between and and there is that process to go through uh, it starts with listening it's it goes into timefulness and those are that's the process but I would say if you don't want to buy the book or the guidebook or listen to the audiobook that's fine sit down with some vulnerability and humility and ask yourself really ask your soul Ask your body, like you say, what's this fear about and what's preventing me? 
why, how do I get out of my own way to listen to my soul and to a condition of discovery and disclosure? That's the greatest gift you can give your soul. And, and, and it'll, perhaps you'll get your, your question answered. You know, I love it. And I think it's so important that we don't shy away from fear. Like somebody say, I can't do that. I'm so afraid to do that. And, and, but once, like you're talking about, Sandy, once you look at it, like you talk, like you're explaining and embrace it, you can get to the other side of it after you've explored it and say, well, I could do that. And then you're looking at it in, in, a, in a totally new way. And it can serve us to be more of who we are and expand who we are when we're going through that process. So it's so very, very important. You also, well, you're saying some wonderful things, but you said something that's, that I want to address, and that is we do have a responsibility here to not only ourselves but to to others. And you said, too, when you're in your bliss, you know, we do have a responsibility to get to access our own joy, to access a, a way of looking at the world in a wonderful experience despite all the stuff that's going on that may not be pleasant. And it's contagious. It works when we're mm-hmm. feeling that way, right? That's what you said. You know, we, we we can connect with other people. When I'm out in the world smiling and sharing laughter or joy or whatever, I can see other people shift. And that, to me, is one of the most beautiful experiences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The more I've been doing this, um, and and this book wrote me, so I've literally been living this myself. Everything I'm saying, I'm saying to myself. <laughs> Everything I'm saying, I I'm, I believe because I've, I'm living it, right? This is not a promotional chat. This is actually me disclosing <laughs> my reality. And um, I wasn't like this two years ago. I didn't necessarily have these thoughts and live this life. And I, I was quicker, at the, you know, I had a quicker a quick, yeah, a, a, you know, wick, I should say. Um, I, 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 but I've noticed this more bliss in my life that, like you said, it's contagious. And then you become a magnet for more of this, like you say. And then also I start seeing, like, relationships falling away that weren't serving me. Patterns in my life falling away that weren't serving me. And more courage than I knew I had that didn't really appear as courage, but that means less fear. So, um, yeah, you're, it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I love it. And this is why we're on the call together, you and I, because, you know, there's some magnetic pulse here. Yeah, truly. So tell I, I'm very, I, I want our listeners to know all about how you formed Sarah and, and, mm-hmm. A little bit about where the direction that has been moving in since 9/11, and, and just more about that because I think that's so important. And again, what you did was you, you know, you you paid attention to what was going on and to your heart and to what what people needed, what females needed. The fear that was fear was paramount at that time. So tell us more. 
Yeah, that was an impulse. I didn't know any of the things we're talking about today and had I, but it helped me looking back at it, it helped me formulate this, these concepts. Um, the morning of 9-11, as I was seeing what everyone else was seeing on television that morning or afternoon, wherever you are, uh, um, I heard gather women. I just heard this whisper, or maybe it was with a bullhorn, gather women. I was still under the covers. I was wondering what I should do with my children that day. And then it dawned on me, after discovering that these were Muslim terrorists, what are Muslim women doing with their children that, that day? And and um, being Jewish, I'm super aware of the fragility of public opinion. And so um, I thought, okay, well, I don't know any Muslim women, not by design, I just didn't. And um, the, the county where we were at at the time, Orange County, California, was, is not designed in, with multiculturalism in mind. And so I just, we didn't cross-pollinate with other traditions or religions. So I'm like, where am I going to find these women? I really want to know what's going on in their hearts and their heads. And before I knew it, I was invited into some uh, living room dialogues by the Human Relations Commission of Orange County. And there I found the women. Now, I might, I, I, I did not say that, the, that before I went to bed the night before 9-11, I was the director of sales and marketing for a major home builder. I was really tied up in the corporate capitalistic lifestyle. And, um, and you know, I was a great mo- soccer mom and basketball mom and, and had this, this wonderful, you know, family, and I still do. <laughs> but it was, I was, tied up in all that life, but I completely became rewired that morning. My DNA completely rearranged. And um, because resulting from being exposed to other people of diverse faiths, I found the women. And I, and I said, let's have a talk. Let's have our own conversation. And um, not too much longer, um, and it actually took a while, but within the year, 12 women were sitting in my living room. And we called ourselves Sarah, representing the mother of all nations. And we gave her the acronym, the Spiritual and Religious Alliance for Hope. And we realized that in our very first meeting that um, a spark was ignited. And, and this was something really, really important, what we were doing. And by the way, I wasn't at the center of it. And that was my first realization of, of the power of getting out of the way and listening in and thinking, okay, what wants to happen here? What wants to happen? Our women are the drivers of our community. Women hold the key to the culture. We are, um, we, uh, you know, our, our, our innate biological imperative is to protect and to preserve our cultural tradition, our family for the next seven generations. So how are we going to go out into the community and say, Mama's here, and we're going to behave, and we're going to listen to each other, and we're going to work this out? And that's what we did. We, we countless, oh my stars, countless panel discussions, and we were invited on to, uh, to conduct workshops and different community events. We galvanized our community into weekends of community service because it was a creative way to cross-pollinate our different traditions to focus on something that we that we both love. So we weren't talking about our 
uh, understanding or reconciling our differences or creating more peace and harmony in that way. We were doing it by focusing on our unifying goals of service. So we just kind of ran the spectrum for the first 15 years of what we could do in the community. We were the mothers of the community. And by the way, we grew to, you know, hundreds. Um, we maintained our monthly meetings. Um, then 9-11, I'm begging pardon, then COVID happened. And we were, we were forced online. And then we went international. And now um, our, we're working on, and it did transform us. You know, the, the fear in the world has transformed from what it was of 9-11 to what it is today. And that's just about every critical issue on the planet. <laughs> so we're addressing the UN Women's Beijing 12 Critical Areas of Concern, which are 12 areas of concern that were constructed and written by women for women. And we're in our third year of uh, monthly calls. Um, and all of that can be found at sarahforhope.org. Um, Joanne, you can tell I don't know a short answer. So. <laughs> I hope you're still with me. <laughs> no, I love I, you know I love what yeah. Sarah is doing, and I think it's it's so important that that women are kind of spearheading and leading and recognizing our responsibility in the world and and gathering together in many different ways to be able to address that so importantly and beautifully, so bravo. I want to get back to the liminal odyssey. There are symbols within each chapter. Can you, I know we may, we may not have time for all of them, but can you Mm-mm. describe a little bit of some, again, I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite children. <laughs> I can do that, and I can do that in okay. the short answer. So, um, okay. I had so one. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I had one image floating above the chapter headings throughout the entire book when it went off to the interior designers for the first time, and that was the the symbol of Ma, which is the Japanese um, ideogram of space in between. It's the sun between two gates. Anyway, the energy of that, I thought that's a wonderful symbol to have just to decorate the book. And um, and then after it was gone, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning with this idea that, no, there, every chapter has a different energy. And so I perhaps need to pull that book back. Thank goodness she hadn't gotten too far into working on it. And found different symbols for every chapter. And um, that actually led to kind of a magical experience of the audiobook where I asked for a single song from a friend of mine who's a Native American songwriter and flute maker and flute composer and, I mean, writer, uh, performer, I should say, ceremonial performer. And she said, no, I need to create a song for every chapter. So there's something really important about the the, the symbols, yeah, that's what they mean. So, are there songs for every chapter? She's actually composed an entire album for the oh, book. Oh wow! I, I would love. It's being, yeah, it's being produced right now. You can hear her. she get, she sent me minutes of it so I can thread it through the audiobook. So you can hear it playing periodically through the book. It's 
through the audiobook. But uh, yeah, I can't wait for that album myself. It should be out this month. <laughs> That's incredible. So, a lot of people don't understand synchronicity and and what that means and how do we connect it? How do we explain it and really? pay attention to the synchronicities that are going on in our lives because they're happening all the time and it's really important to pay attention to them and recognize their value. Right. Um, Synchronicities are um, typically two or more events that are different but meaningful in the same way. And so, um, and they seem like rare, right, when they happen in our lives, right? Enough that we want to tell everybody about, yeah, this crazy synchronicity today um, where I saw this thing here and then something relatable over there. Well, synchronicities, I believe, are how spirit talks to us. This is where we can start fading them by understanding that when we are paying close attention to what's going on, we're going to start seeing more meaningful connections. And that more that meaningful connection is something to dial in on. That's something to go home and journal about. That's something to really contemplate. That's something to take into your meditative practice. And so cultivating synchronicities happens when we are practicing reverent listening, when we are practicing timefulness, when we're recognizing behavioral patterns, you know, all of those things, right? That's how you know that this is working because you're going to start seeing more synchronicities. And, and they just, it's regenerative, this process. It brings you back into sacred listening. It brings you back into timefulness. It brings, you know, it, it, it's really, and, and I'm saying this with a big smile on my face because that's what you'll get when you start seeing the next synchronicity. Like, aha, she said, pay attention to this. Slow down. Take one minute even. <laughs> Go to the bathroom yeah. and think about it. <laughs> it's so wonderful when when we are, Sandy, and paying attention to it because, again, it, it uplifts us even more. And, rec- and, yeah, you recognize that, like you said, spirit is talking to us. And we need to listen. We need to pay attention. And, and when we do, that's how you create more bliss, right? <laughs> That's part of it. That easy. <laughs> so you and I could talk forever. But before I have you tell people how to get a hold of all of your incredible work, what what do you think is, or what would you like to tell our listeners as, the, as some of the most important aspects of, of the book, The Liminal Odyssey, which we did not cover today? Um, thank Everything. you. I think the oh, <laughs> I think the most important takeaway, how's that, is That's that it. we all remember that privilege and responsibility to show up in our divine assignment. And what that is, if you don't know what that is, um, now's a really good time to work on it because I think that's exactly why our planet is in dis-ease. Mm-hmm. We all have the power to show up and be an antidote to what's going on right now. And along the way, we have more bliss. We have more joy. We're living more freely into our soul's purpose. And our soul rejoices 
that the pathway to freeing our soul is living in that bliss. And and that's the ultimate takeaway. I love it, and and I'm with you on that because it's so very important. And somebody would say, because I'm seeing that right now, well, how do we know what what our purpose is? How do we know what to pay attention to? How would you answer that? Um, and I ask my question that all the time, and how I know is when my right now, right now my body, every cell in my body is dancing because I'm in my divine assignment right now. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, having this conversation with you about this stuff. You listen to your body. You know, you'll know it when you're in it. The very first time I went on this journey of really asking myself, what is my soul? The question, what is your soul purpose? And if you're not living it, why? Start with that question. And you're and then and then listen, practice listening. And those questions, and it's a it, it's a practice. We practice this. It'll start cultivating. It doesn't take too long because this book has been was published in February of last right. year, and I started really seeing evidence of my soul's desire. Oh, I'm getting chills again because again, there it is. I know I'm doing it. Um, within months, and everybody's going to be different, and it just depends on how, you know, where your intention is. But for me, it works, and I and I'm getting great feedback. I'm hearing it from all over, so it's a personal odyssey. It really is. And and I think it's really like you said, it's an important one, and it can help us heal individually as well as collectively. And we need that. We definitely need that. And I just wanted to add something, too, because when we're listening, oftentimes our guidance, that information may not be in words. It may be in images or, or those synchronicities, and that's part of paying attention to, to all of it because the messages and the guidance are everywhere when you're really paying attention and addressing it. So to me that's so important. Sandy Hart, you are incredible. Tell people mm-hmm. how they can get a hold of you, your book, and all the wonderful things that you're doing. <laughs> well, the Liminal Odyssey is at liminalodyssey.com or anywhere books are sold. Audible and iTunes has the audio book. Um, it can, it, both are accessible through the um, Liminal Odyssey website. And at sandyhearts.com, and I spell my name S-A-N-D-E-H-A-R-T, and that's sort of a one-stop shop for Sarah, for the Liminal Odyssey that are happening. Um, both are pretty robust websites, so take your pick. And Beautiful. I want to thank you, Joanne, for holding the space, for doing what you're doing, for bringing us all into our body and into our bliss. Well, thank you so much. And like I said, you are incredible. So have a beautiful, blissful, blessed day. Ah, Thank you. (laughs) Blessings to you all. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So think about all of the wonderful things that Sandy said because, again, you have not only the ability but the responsibility to listen in, to find tune and to discover and uncover 
what your purpose is here, what you need to do here, and take back your power when you're doing that. And that's so important to be able to do that and find out what you need to do by listening in, as Sandy Hart said so beautifully. You can do that. You can even take one small step today in that direction. Pause in the midst of all your busyness and... As Sandy Hart said, listen to your body. What's your body telling you? Look around for a minute and what's the connection to what you're doing in your life and what's going on and what you need to do to move yourself forward. So thank you so much for joining us and take care of you and have a beautiful, wonderful day. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the Upbeat Show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.